The Center for Disease Control Studies have identified that about one infant for every 1,000 live births in certain areas of the U.S. has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, or FASD. It is estimated that approximately 40,000 babies may be born with FASD in the United States each year. On today's Stigma Busters, I'm chatting with Brianna Magnesi, a social worker for the Center for FASD at Ohio Guidestone. Tune in to learn more about what FASD is and the stigma associated with the disorder on this episode of Stigma Busters. Before we dive in, we want to share a disclaimer for our audience. The content we share on Stigma Busters can bring up a variety of feelings and thoughts, and the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board is here to help you. Sometimes, people may even have thoughts of suicide or self-harm when triggered. If you are experiencing these types of thoughts, please dial the Wood County Crisis Line at 419-502-HOPE. That is 419-502-4673. You can also text for hope to the crisis text line at 741-741 and be connected to a crisis counselor. Help is here. Brianna Magnesi graduated from Lourdes University and St. Louis University with her Master of Social Work in 2017. At this time, she began her social work career focused on learning about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Brianna has six years of experience working with individuals and families impacted by prenatal alcohol exposure and continues this work now as a licensed independent social worker. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. Uh, So to get us started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got involved in this field, and then your current role at Ohio Guidestone. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I got uh, my undergrad degree from Lourdes University um, in social work, and then I went on to get my master's degree from Lourdes University and St. Louis University. It was like a partnership program, um, and I got my master's in social work as well. And when I was um, finishing up my master's degree in 2017, I was hired part-time at Double Arc. Um, And while there, I studied under Sister Suzette Fisher and the Sisters of Notre Dame, where I learned a lot about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Um, So in 2018, Double Arc merged with a Renewed Mind. And then in 2021, a Renewed Mind merged with Ohio Guidestone. So throughout that time, I was practicing as a licensed social worker providing individual and family therapy and case management services to individuals, families, children with FASD. And then in June of last year, June of 2022, um, I became a licensed independent social worker and was promoted to clinical supervisor of the Double Arc Center for FASD program. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations to you on your LISW. Thank you. Yeah. That's a huge feat in itself having to get through. It is. Lots of experience and studying and the tests. So, oh, yes, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's something worth mentioning. Yes. <laughs> a huge milestone. 
Uh, so can you explain that a little bit? What is the Double Arc program, uh, the Center for F- FASD, and kind of how it started? Sure, yeah. So um, Ohio Guidestone Double Arc Center for FASD has a long name and a long history. Okay. <laughs> um, so Double Arc began in 1992 when the Sisters of Notre Dame identified children with learning and behavior problems. They began researching this and identified prenatal alcohol exposure as the root cause of some of the problems that they were seeing. They like were into teaching and education a lot. They were just noticing something was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1998, a team of medical professionals, um, including Sister Suzette Fisher and some of the Sister Notre Dame, um, traveled to Seattle to be trained in diagnosing fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And that is when the organization Double Arc was born. That's when it was established. And then now, under Ohio Guidestone, which is the state's leader in community behavioral health care, Double Arc Center for FASD is able to continue our mission. So they've been really supportive. Um, we're one of the only um, programs in um, the state of Ohio and really in our area that focuses on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and does the thorough diagnostic clinic that the Sisters of Notre Dame um, kind of started, which is really cool. And we pride ourselves on compassion and respect and Ohio Guidestone and Double Arc Center for FASD focus on helping people across the lifespan, not only with FASD, but just people in general across the lifespan navigate, you know, difficult times and, um, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's really interesting that it started uh, with the Sisters of Notre Dame. Yes. I would never have thought that. <laughs> yeah. So we were like a really, really small um, nonprofit organization in 2017. I mean, it started in 1998, but when I was hired part time in 2017, we were in a whole different building. It was very small. Um, you know, we didn't even take insurance. So very, very small. And it was kind of built upon, you know, the Sisters of Notre Dame and their passion and, you know, their knowledge of of FASD and wanting to really help this underserved population. And then we merged and we've definitely grown. And now our program is a part of Ohio Guidestone, which mm-hmm. is a huge, um, you know, behavioral health care right. agency. Yeah. And so we're able to expand our services even more and make additional connections in the community. So that's really awesome. Yeah, no, that's a huge growth. It is. 2017. And it's so great because you're able to do so much work then in the community. Yes. To, you know, help people who are affected and spread awareness on it. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, it really just seems like it started too, just from the sisters noticing in yes. these children what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's really, yeah, it was really founded on that. You know, it has a really strong foundation, I guess I should say. Um, you know, they made a lot of amazing connections with the leaders in research, mm-hmm. um, you know, big researchers who, um, you know, basically founded um, FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome in general. And, you know, they were trained by a lot of professionals who Yeah, so it's, it's definitely founded with a lot of passion, and now we're able to continue and expand it even more. So Ohio, Ohio Guidestone has, you know, a very far-reaching, mm-hmm. you know, they're in Columbus area, right. Cleveland area, right. so that's really great. Right, yeah, no, that is absolutely amazing. And I wanted to ask, too, you know, they're noticing these signs and symptoms, right? What are those signs and symptoms that they were noticing with the children? And, you know, what are right. things people can notice? Well, I guess I should start with just explaining what FASD yeah. is in general because it's really not 
known that much. Right. Um, so FASD stands for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, which is an umbrella term describing the range of effects that can occur in an individual um, who is prenatally exposed to alcohol. So effects include physical, mental, behavioral, and or learning disabilities with lifelong implications. So the term FASD actually is not intended for use as a clinical diagnosis um, because it's a spectrum. There are actually like four different diagnoses underneath the umbrella, um, but we use FASD to kind of describe the spectrum. So some signs and symptoms, a lot of individuals show a lot of impulsivity, poor judgment, acting younger than their chronological age, processing deficits, memory problems, difficulty with problem-solving skills, and a really big one is difficulty connecting cause and effect. So prenatal alcohol exposure can affect any part of the brain, and no two kids are alike who have been exposed, which is why it's considered a spectrum. Um, And it's also considered an invisible disability because a lot of children can have average IQ, and they look like any typical child. Only um, 25% actually have the facial features and the growth growth deficiency. 75% um, who have been exposed only have kind of the invisible, per se, behavioral symptoms. But, you know, it's evident with the alcohol exposure because it has caused damage to the part of the brain that may affect sensory processing, social skills, memory, and behaviors. Yeah. I, you know, I really didn't know much about this. Yeah. (laughs) You know, us kind of meeting and talking and did a little more investigating with it. And one of the things, too, that I had read, and that's interesting, too, about the physical, Mm -hmm. I automatically assumed, hey, you know, people who have experienced this would have the physical um, Mm -hmm. signs of it as well, not necessarily just the cognitive. But one thing I read, too, um, which I don't know if you can speak more to this, that people who have experiences or children who experience this, they, um, when they're in utero, you know, it doesn't matter how much alcohol was Mm -hmm. consumed. um, And there's really not a lot of data that shows the amount of alcohol that is, quote, safe to be able to use. You know, a lot of times you hear with pregnant women, just don't drink at all. Mm -hmm. Um, is, Is there anything with that as well that you've kind of seen, you know, with the amount of alcohol consumed? Right. Well, like you mentioned, um, not a lot of research, a lot more research um, is being done to explore FASD in general. But, um, you know, the CDC, as well as just any FASD affiliate, really, um, we take the standpoint of there's no known safe amount. So meaning there's no known safe amount. We don't know how much would be safe. So we just say to not consume at all. And also, I believe um, a few years ago, the CDC came out and said, if you're even trying to become pregnant, Mm -hmm. you should stop consuming alcohol because I I believe the statistic is almost um, half of pregnancies in the United States are unplanned, meaning, you know, might not be trying. And, you know, that's why, you know, if if you are trying, just try to refrain from drinking at all because there's no research that shows one glass of wine, you know, whether it's harmful or not. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I've heard before, like, oh, it's okay to have a glass of red wine, you know, right. and it sounds like there can still be effects. There just isn't a whole lot known about it. Exactly. I mean, it may not have an effect, but it may have an effect. So that's why we say there's no known safe amount. Right. And that is really frustrating um, that there are still doctors and OBGYNs that are, you know, 
sharing with women of childbearing age and also women who may even be pregnant that it's okay to have a glass of wine here or there um, because our standpoint is there's no known safe amount. Right, exactly, exactly. And that, I mean, that can have a really effect on the children, obviously. You know, we went through a lot of the cognitive and mental um, signs and symptoms that can be shared, that can be shown uh, with children. The Center for FASD at Ohio Guidestone is one of the nation's oldest diagnostic clinics for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Founded in 1992 by the Sisters of Notre Dame as Double Art, the Center for FASD is an affiliate of FASD United, the national voice on these disorders. Their team is committed to helping children reach their full potential through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please call 419-479-3060 to get more information about the Center for FASD at Ohio Guidestone. So, you know, I'm thinking, too, with the um, different stigma that kind of is associated mm-hmm. with this. I would imagine that there there is some stigma. Yes. You know, I know oftentimes if, you know, we see women who are drinking while they're pregnant, you know, obviously we're yeah. kind of like, well, you know, they're making the best life choices in the mm-hmm. right now. But that can be challenging, too, because sometimes women don't know they're pregnant. Exactly. It happens. So has there ever been any kind of, like, stigmatic actions or any language that you've encountered? while you're working with children and families who have been impacted um, from fetal alcohol syndrome? Yeah, so um, the stigma that's placed on birth mothers is a major barrier to the goal of preventing FASD and helping individuals living with FASD. There's a lot of blame and shame of birth mothers of children with FASD. So that's like the biggest area of stigma. Um, Having the courage to speak out as a birth mother and share one story does take a lot of courage. Um, However, a lot of women are deterred away from this because of the stigma. Um, In addition, many adoptive and foster parents of children with FASD, they also deal with stigma. And, you know, I've encountered that in working with them as well, Um, you know, because if, you know, you're an adoptive mother and you're explaining that your child has FASD and whoever's listening on the other end doesn't realize that they're the adoptive mother, you know, that they can be stigmatized as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes unknowingly, adoptive and foster parents acknowledge and sometimes even perpetuate the stigma by emphasizing that they are not the birth parent Um, when introducing themselves. You know, they may say, you know, I'm the adoptive or foster mother of a child with FASD. And that's just maybe almost a natural thing to do because FASD is so stigmatizing against the birth mother. I've also experienced a lot, um, I guess, as a clinician, as a professional working with individuals and children with FASD. And I'm sure adoptive and foster parents and and parents in general deal with stigma and this surrounding FASD. You know, professionals in the community, um, especially maybe at school, they can write off students with an FASD. They may believe that children with FASD can't learn. Um, You know, they're a really challenging population. You know, they may believe that children with FASD may grow up to be criminals. There's a lot of rage and a lot of of behavioral challenges that go along with it, which can further stigmatize. Um, Also, just children in general, like the children and even adults that I work with who have FASD, they explain when processing through their feelings of, you know, they feel different, they may feel they don't fit in. Um, And this is children 
and adults with any type of disability, really, but especially with FASD. Um, they feel stigmatized. They're being labeled as stupid, weird, and bad. And, you know, that label of being bad, really, you know, I see a lot of kids and individuals carry that with them, which is is really hard. That is really difficult because, you know, it's not the kid's fault. In exactly. Way. And that they're carrying this label with them that people are telling them, you know, there's something wrong with them or even, you know, they have an adopted parent the mother or, you know, saying, well, I'm the adoptive parent. That can be really difficult for the children to be able to just go on and live their lives and thrive. Um, and one thing to you, um, that you kind of already answered about like women who have, that you worked with that are in pregnancy that's led to FSH, FASD, uh, they kind of self-stigma. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that blame and shame and, you know, feeling really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it sounds like you've kind of encountered that. So how do you and other clinicians um, within this program help to address this in individuals? You know, they've kind of addressed that this is an issue that's going on. Um, this is something mm-hmm. that they've noticed that it's going to happen, you know, unfortunately. And they have a lot of shame and guilt surrounding that. How do you address right. that as a clinician? Well, um, first we try using person first language and trying to change language to be less blaming towards the mother. So instead of defining FASD as, um, you know, it's what happens when a mother drinks alcohol or, you know, FASD happen because you drank alcohol while pregnant, um, saying something like it's the range of effects that occur when a developing baby is prenatally exposed. So kind of taking that you aspect out. If we are talking with a birth mother to try to obtain information on maybe what happened prenatally, um, we ask it in a way um, that frames it as, you know, how much did you drink before you knew you were pregnant instead of how much did you drink when you were pregnant? Okay. Um, Because typically women who drink during pregnancy and have children with FASD um, fall into about three categories. They um, either suffer from the disease of alcoholism. They can't stop use on their own. They're not aware that they're pregnant or they're unaware or misinformed about the risks of alcohol to their unborn baby. Okay. And so we really frame it. And also when working with adoptive or foster parents of children with FASD, if they still have a connection with the birth mother, um, trying to get information, or maybe the birth mother wants to still be involved, really kind of encouraging them to share the idea that the most important thing is helping the child. No mother wants to intentionally cause harm to their baby. Um, so really trying to emphasize that, you know, it, we know this happened, but the most important thing is moving forward and trying to get the services and um, treatment that their child needs to to get better, right. to make some improvements. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And especially too, you know, women who are struggling with alcoholism, they, you know, it's, it's addiction is a disease. You can't necessarily just stop cold turkey right. and be able to do that. And um, the um, National Organization of Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, which is now known as FASD United, they have a connection with a, a program called the Circle of Hope. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a program. I'm sorry. It's like a group. Oh. Um, so it's a group that um, is women who um, consumed alcohol while pregnant and or have a child with um, FASD and they come together just to provide each other support. Um, it's similar to like um, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but it's specifically for mothers. Um, and so information about that can be found on the FASD United webpage as well if anyone is interested in looking into it. Yeah. It's a really great group. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I was going 
somebody asked if there were any support yeah. available for women because you know it's it's not necessarily anyone's fault that right. this happens and I think there's a lot of it sounds like blame and there is a lot of stigma there is a lot of stigma with it um it, as there is usually around any type of addiction especially when you throw you know children into the mix right um a lot of times adults you know get a lot of backlash because yes. of that. um so I, I did want to ask you then too about um just this is really different from other addiction disorders would you say like the stigma around it um fasd or would you say it's pretty similar I would say it's similar in the way that there's a lot of blame. You know, yeah. with addiction disorders, people want to blame something, right? And typically they blame the individual. You know, they chose to do this. They, you know, they chose to use alcohol or the other drugs. And, you know, that's why they're addicted or, you know, looking at it in that way. So it's similar in the way that it's it's very blaming and focuses on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that's yeah. the biggest similarity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. That yeah, that happens, and you know, definitely I'm glad that there's programs like this available to be able to help people who are struggling. Right, because the most recent um, research shows that there may be up to one in twenty school age children with an FASD. Wow, yeah, that's a high statistic. Yep, yeah, one in twenty. Right. So then, you know, if people want to get involved in this program, how do they get referred then into the Double Arc uh, program? Yeah, so um, Ohio Guidestone and Center Double Arc Center for FASD, we focus on really building strong partnerships within our community. Um, you know, I work a lot with, you know, Wood County, obviously, yeah. but um, Children's Services, Job and Family Services in, all, in a lot of different counties, especially because we um, do work with a lot of adoptive families and children in foster care. Um, we also get referrals from other professionals, including doctors who may suspect that the child has an FASC, um, and even, even other counselors in our community who, you know, we've worked on different cases before, or, you know, they have a client and, you know, they notice some of the signs and symptoms and then they make referrals. Uh, So also there are a numerous amount of self-referrals from parents who are researching the best way to help their child. They may read about FASD and say, that really sounds like my child. Um, Especially children who may have been diagnosed with a lot of other things and nothing seems to fit. You know, a lot of parents may be searching on their own, like, what could this be? How can I help my child? And they come across fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and it rings a bell and then, you know, they find our information and we start services. Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah. wouldn't think there'd be a lot of self-referrals. There are. That. Yeah. Would you say that that's probably the high majority? Um, I would say it's probably 50-50, half and half. A lot of referrals, um, you know, because FASC isn't really known about, you know, it's, um, we've make it a, made a lot of connections in the community mm-hmm. where, you know, our name is out there and um, different counselors, doctors, right. other professionals are learning more about FASD and they may be the ones saying, hey, like, have you ever considered FASD to a parent? And they may not know or a parent may do the research themselves and find out. So it's probably about half and half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and like I said before, I didn't really know much about this. Right. I yeah. so I'm really glad that you can hear the opportunity that you definitely a little bit more about that. Um, you know, I often um, in the past I've worked with a lot of kids that have had different like behavioral challenges and you know teachers and parents struggle to not know how to help their kids and you know this was kind of 
this is really eye-opening. Yeah. And I've learned a little bit more that there could be some underlying reasons for going on. So with that in mind, um, are there any ways that community members can help to eliminate any stigma when it comes to fetal alcohol syndrome? Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, using less stigmatizing language, um, mm-hmm. we're trying to promote including like the FASC United, which is kind of the national organization. We're trying to um, revise the definition of FASD instead of an individual whose mother drank alcohol during pregnancy. It's an individual who is prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, Also just using that person first in non-stigmatizing language, such as instead of, you know, an FASD child, Mm -hmm. it would be a child or an individual with an FASD. Okay. Similar to instead of a per, um, instead of describing a person as being disabled, you would say, you know, a person with a disability because FASD doesn't define the child or the individual. It's a part of them, but it's not their whole identity. So using that person first language, I would say it is the most important way to start. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think that that's what, um, I've talked a lot about it on the show as well is using that person first language with anything. And I think oftentimes it's easy to assume that when we talk about like, honestly, with mental health conditions, I feel like sometimes people are a little more likely, but I feel like addiction is just such a different type of stigma that comes from that. Like, oh, they're an alcoholic or, you know, kind of just almost labeling the person and forgetting, not necessarily forgetting, but they have an identity outside of their disability or the disease. And that's really, really important. You know, it's not an FASD individual. It's not an FASD child. It's a person who has an FASD. Right, right, exactly. Um, So are there ways that uh, folks can learn a little bit more about your services or get any more information? Yeah, um, our website um, is just ohioguidestone.org. Um, we're listed under early childhood mental health services when there's um, the drop-down menu because Ohio Guidestone offers a lot of behavioral health services in general. FASD is one of our many unique uh, specialty areas. So visiting our website and then also our number, our direct number to learn more about our program is 419-479-3060. Great. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Uh, before we wrap up our conversation? Um, I don't think so. Other than thank you for having me on and um, raising awareness about FASD is is really important in prenatal alcohol exposure because like you mentioned, you didn't know a lot. And I know when I was going through school, it was mentioned one time. Mm -hmm. And that always stands out to me because the more that I've learned, you know, it's it's something that can affect any walk of life. And also um, being prenatally exposed to alcohol is more damaging than any other drug, which is a a huge thing as well that I learned. So yeah, thank you for having me on and any way to continue raising awareness and spreading the word about our services and FASD is always welcomed. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. If you want more Stigma Busters, be sure to subscribe and stay up to date on all our new episodes. Don't forget to rate us too and share our podcast with all of your friends. Listen to Stigma Busters wherever you get your podcasts.